0: Hello and welcome to the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Today we're bringing you episode four of the Bitcoin and Basketball series, and we have a very special guest on our episode today. Andrew Lovedale is a former Davidson Wildcat who grew up in Nigeria before making his way to the UK and then to Davidson to play basketball, and is now the founder of Access to Success, a nonprofit organization providing access to success for the youth in Nigeria. Andrew's joining the podcast today to give us the perspective of Bitcoin outside of the United States, how Bitcoin is viewed in Nigeria, how it's transacted in Nigeria, and what it can mean for a corrupted government controlling currency. We hope you enjoy the episode today. Stay tuned as we're releasing weekly podcast episodes, and let's jump into Bitcoin and basketball episode four. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Today, we are coming back with a highly anticipated episode four of Bitcoin and basketball. And I'm not talking Bitcoin unless I have my two extraordinaires with me. So uh, welcome back here today, Brendan and Lee. We'll, we'll welcome you back both uh, at the same time here. Brendan, how you doing?
1: Great. Thank you. Happy to be back as always.
0: Awesome, Lee. How you doing over there, man? Any any uh, exciting takes you're gonna bring our way today? I mean, I've always got a couple hot takes in me.
2: Uh, I'll save them. I'll save them for the content portion. But uh, yeah, man, this is this has become uh, one of my favorite parts of uh, of the week. So great to be back with everybody.
0: I love it. I love it. We're excited to talk and and we're not alone today. Uh, The first guest on the Bitcoin and and basketball series is joining us. And Brendan, I'm going to pass it over to you as this is a former teammate of yours to give a very proper introduction uh, to our guest on the pod today.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this um, to especially first guest on the Bitcoin and basketball series, but also a uh, to get a i guess non-american take on it or or a non-american mm-hmm. centric take on it um but also uh one of my former teammates from davidson andrew lovdale aka the big cat um played uh, i was a senior he was a freshman he came from uh nigeria to the uk to davidson um and he ended up having an amazing career there he was part of the uh a uh, lead eight run with Steph. He was a, a, a big, big part of that. And now he uh, runs a nonprofit uh, called As- Access to Success, which is doing absolutely amazing things in Nigeria. Um, and we can talk more about that. But yeah, I'm one of the best guys I know. Maybe maybe the best guy I know, Andrew Lovedale. Thanks for having me,
3: guys. And uh, yeah, Brendan was definitely a, uh, is definitely a big brother to me, man. Um, coming from uh, outside of the U.S., he definitely helped to make me feel comfortable and at home at Davidson. And uh, I'm glad that we've maintained that relationship up until now.
0: Yeah, it's awesome, Andrew. We're, we're really pumped to have you here. So let's jump right in. The The interesting thing I hear is Brendan said you went from Nigeria to the UK to Davidson. Can you uh, give us a quick you know, uh, story of, of that journey? I'm interested to hear.
3: Well, I, I started playing basketball at a, at a very young age in Nigeria. Soccer is the deal. Uh, so I, I never knew anything about basketball. Uh, my elder brother introduced me to the game because he had played a little bit. Um, and, uh, just through no means of, uh, of mine. Um, I played in this competition. It was like a last minute thing. They needed to fill, they needed to fill the squad. Right. And I, yeah, he jumped in and, and ended up winning the competition, barely knew what I was doing. Uh, and then one of the deal where we didn't know was that you got to go to the, you got, you got to go to the UK. So that was how I actually got my, my visa to go to the UK. Ended up being a bus. Couldn't travel because you know something happened with the government and they didn't fund the trip. But I had the visa, and uh, my elder brother who was in the UK came in and said, "Hey, you should come, you know, check it out. Maybe we can, you know, if you really like basketball, you can attend a basketball camp and uh, come back to Nigeria." Uh, so heading into the UK, seeing those nice courts compared to the the courts we had in Nigeria. Uh, and uh, i went to manchester manchester and then uh, and uh, the coach there saw something in me uh, and joe farber he became like a dad to me uh, but that was kind of where my basketball dreams really started starting to realize that i could do i could do a lot um and coach mckillop uh, who loves to recruit internationally um, actually never got to see me play basketball. I used to work at the youth at the center to uh, to end, you know earn money to to handle my daily expenses. and uh, you know, coach actually saw me sweeping the floor when he offered me a scholarship. <laughs> um, you know, if you ask him till today, he would say he loved the attention to detail with which I swept the floor at the center. Um, you know, but having that conversation, coming to David uh, but the big thing for me at Davitin was just coming to Davidin, uh from Nigeria via the UK, and just realizing, you know, that um, there was just an abundance. Um, you know, I I wore my my first pair of shoes that the team gave me. I think I wore it for the longest time, but. Then I realized, you know, every now and then, Brendan had a new pair, or, <laughs> and, you know, I started asking questions. I just I just was thinking at that time, I was like, man, their parents must really have a lot of money for them to just be changing shoes. Um, and I forgot who I spoke to that said, hey, you know, we're sponsored by Nike, right? We do have shoes in the, <laughs> in the place called the storeroom. <laughs> And, um, you know, Brendan, you remember Will Du Uh So yeah. uh, I went to the storeroom and I just realized that there was this stack of shoes that had my name on it, you know, and uh, <laughs> I was like, really, I can take that? And the guy was like, yeah. So, um, but that really just opened up a world of opportunities for me, just thinking about, you know, growing up in Nigeria and just the difficulty in getting shoes. I'm six foot seven. Um, you know, buying my son, my pair of shoes would be very, is very expensive for my family. Um, and, um, and so I just thought, you know what, like I could really do something with this. I could get my teammates to not throw their shoes away. And Brennan and the team started. I don't know, Brennan, if you still remember your jersey that you gave to me, that black and white jersey? Uh, for almost six years, I still saw the kids still wearing in the, <laughs> um, you know, so that was how this all started. It started as me wanting to help ensure that my peers in Nigeria had the right shoes to play the sport, and those shoes that those things that we often would throw away here might be as good as new for uh, for the children in in Nigeria. So uh, when we made the Ely Day, um, the publicity abounded, and um, alumni from around the country called David in and said we need to help him get more shoes to Nigeria. And that's how all of this really started to take shape. You know, first year, I took 20 pairs, 40 pairs. And then by the end of my junior year, um, they started Kicks for Cats that we now call Hoops for Hope that raised over 10,500 pairs of shoes. Wow. Um, Took it to Nigeria uh, and I uh, just really realized that I've been given two gifts, right? Uh, seeing the struggle that we went through from not understanding where your next meal will come from or to pay your fees, uh, just realizing that um, <coughs> I've been given two great gifts, the gifts of love and the gifts of consistency, um, right? It's very evident in my relationships. It's, it's you know, my team at Davidson, my teammates are still my good friends. Uh, the people who have been there to see me from point A to point B, uh, and so I felt really compelled that we needed to create something that really uh, helped kids until the saw light at the end of the tunnel. And so that's yeah. why we came back and we created access to success and said, you know, it's nice to give kids shoes, but, you know, if I was in that situation, when I was in that situation, if you are giving me a pair of shoes, it will, you know, a few months later, I'd have it, I'll need a new pair. Because uh, that pair was where I went to church, where I went to parties, where I went to basketball, whatever, you name it. So, um So really being able to evolve, uh, I played professional basketball for a few years and we did summer clinics distributed the shoes, but we continue to evolve and now we are an organization that provides education and opportunity for youth in Nigeria, and we have uh, an after school academy where we. um, Where we feed and educate 240 kids daily. Um, And we have over 62 scholars in the in Nigeria at uh, the university level that we're sponsoring to school um, and then there's, uh, uh, there's about seven kids that we have been able to help get to the U.S. to continue their studies uh, awesome. and then on top of that we have over 200 entrepreneurs that we are providing resources to so that they can launch mm-hmm. and grow their businesses as well and then obviously the community outreach aspects that as we're investing in the community that we're also and trying to ensure that they have programs or they have safe place places to play, or um, and, and that we're trying to make their environments conducive as well. So um, yeah, that's that's amazing. Kind of what happened, kind of what happened in the first ten years, and now it's exciting. We're building our youth center in Nigeria, uh, and that's where nice. we are. The the first ten years we built community, and the next ten years we're calling it our season of promise, and we're hoping that that building becomes a home for A2S where. All of our programs can run out us. So that's hey. The omission yeah. of a question in a nutshell.
1: Christian, be, be, before you uh you move on. Uh, he mentioned, Andrew. Did you say you you have brought you uh, brought seven students here to the U.S. Yes, sir. Am that right? Okay. Well, I I just wanted to give a special shout out. Uh, Pro Skills has been you know I, I guess fortunate enough. Um, Andrew has entrusted us with a few of those kids to help them with their their basketball journey. And, uh, so, um, one, one kid named justice, I believe two years ago, graduated. He's now, he now plays at Harvard, which is amazing. Smart kid. Just, I mean, absolutely life-changing opportunity. Um, another kid named wisdom actually was just a beast. Like, you know, he, he was like your Charles Oakley type of like player, but like we realized like pretty early on, like, Hey, he might not be a basketball player, but he would be a hell of a football player so he's at uh north carolina now playing football Wow! And i'm sure they've nice. got him like probably 350 pounds of just like raw muscle he's a he's an enormous guy and then uh this past year we actually had a boy and a girl um boy's name was iffy uh he just committed to boston university which is cool i think he's going to be in for uh, a treat with that weather up there it's it's very unlike nigeria obviously um and then asosa is kind of tbd in, in terms of where she'll go um but uh she is man how tall is she drew she's she's six foot she's 6, six, 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 six. she played uh both iffy and her played on team curry boys and girls um but but she is she's a very tall girl so yeah um, no that's, it, it, that's it's amazing it, it's been really cool
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew, what you're doing is amazing and, and uh, very, very well uh, uh, laid out background there for, for how you got here. And a lot of your background talking about Nigeria and its, its different uh, uh, economic climate, social climate, everything from from what we're used to here in America is going to be intriguing as now we kind of turn this conversation towards Bitcoin, which is uh, why we're all here today. So really quick, Andrew, I just want to know from you, because I am the resident uh, Bitcoin dummy, I, I guess is the way to say on our podcast here. I, I'm still learning day what is your baseline knowledge of, of Bitcoin right now?
3: I think I know uh, I know what it is fundamentally, um, you know what it's used for um, and just uh, a little bit of insight into how it's really starting to shape up the Nigerian economy um, and just the Nigeria uh, Nigeria has a huge youth population, uh, a huge youth population. And everyone is trying to find a way to survive. And mm-hmm. Bitcoin, I think, becomes a, an interesting concept that's worth exploring for, for the youth in Nigeria, especially those who are trying to, to start up a business. Entrepreneur, entrepreneurship is really um, huge in Nigeria right now because we've been heavily reliant on revenue from oil. Um, and and you know one of the huge push right now is for Nigeria to diversify its economy, and people are pushing for for entrepreneurship and trying to create uh, <clears throat> these opportunities. But in order for you to to be an entrepreneur in Nigeria, there's so many loopholes. You're trying to bring in things from out of the country. You're trying to uh, to make transactions and. Um, there's so many loopholes that you have to to cross and and I think that that's kind of where the the whole cryptocurrency conversation has come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more transactional than than uh, than for investment like you see in the US. so yeah I think that's, that's just my baseline knowledge about 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 Bitcoin and, and the cryptocurrency.
0: Yeah, beautiful. That that leads us perfectly into I'm going to pull Lee in here uh because we talk about all the time the the concept of, of Bitcoin is it's decentralized. It's kind of going against the the higher power, the government. It's we don't need you. We can exchange our own uh currency or or wealth or value uh without having to go through a government system. And and from my understanding, Nigeria as you just said, Andrew is far more transactional whereas Lee is telling me to never spend my Bitcoin. Uh so Lee, what where are your thoughts about that? in in this high transactional uh, climate of Bitcoin within Nigeria and how that affects Bitcoin.
2: Yeah, well I think and this is something we've talked about on this podcast, is we deal with the debasement of our dollar in the. US, but it happens over such a slower time frame than it does in other economies like Nigeria. So the fact that we have the luxury of storing our wealth, and, 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 frankly, mm-hmm. having discretionary income to invest rather than needing to make transaction on, on a daily basis and make ends meet. Um, I, if you guys don't mind, there's there's a guy on Twitter I follow from Nigeria. He's, a, he's an entrepreneur. He, he helps run a, a Bitcoin exchange called Bitknob, um, which teaches you how to, like, dollar-cost average, save, and transact in Bitcoin. Um, his name is Bernard para i may be pronouncing that last name incorrectly it's p-a-r-a-h and i think his pin tweet which i won't read the whole thing i'm just going to read a couple quick excerpts i think kind of crystallizes uh, a few of the kind of advantages that bitcoin is giving um the young demographics that drew was just talking about in nigeria so i'm just going to read a couple quick sentences Growing up in Nigeria, I see Bitcoin with a different lens than you do if you grew up in the US. Thank God for Bitcoin. Imagine you work hard, earn some money, but face the following. You can't spend more than $100 on international sites using your cards. You can't spend your own money because you don't own your own money. If the government owns the money, they own your decision-making process. You can't buy the goods and services you want because of monetary capital controls bitcoin fixes this you got you got lucky or worked hard to go abroad you found work you want to send money home to your family but you have to pay ridiculous fees to do that if it's an emergency it may not get there on time bitcoin mm-hmm. fixes this and this is the last sentence i'll read you try to save some of that money but food prices keep increasing your currency loses approximately 25 percent of its value against the us dollar in a year Sixteen percent inflation, twenty percent food inflation. You don't want to deal with these monsters. You work harder, but you only get poorer. Bitcoin fixes this. Um, so I think that just kind of is a good way of encapsulating some of the um, some of the challenges that we don't think about in our daily lives. And and this uh, decentralized monetary network that anyone with an internet connection can plug into store and transact their wealth without asking anyone's permission um just kind of shows like the, the freedom that it's that it's um kind of um emboldening around the globe and in in, in in developing economies
0: it's amazing i say that every time on here uh, yeah i say i'm gonna buy a bit more bitcoin after every episode and i'm i've got to buy more bitcoin now brendan i want to pass it to andrew to hear his thoughts on what lee just said That's- did you have something right there brendan
1: no, that's amazing. I wanted to hear Andrew's thoughts on that. Like, did, did that stuff kind of hit home as as a Nigerian? Did, did you do you agree with that? Is, is there anything that that maybe you, you, you don't agree with? Or, yeah, I just want to hear your thoughts on it.
3: No, I think it, it hits home and everything. Uh, I think it was very uh, well laid out uh, just because for me, the way I've always seen it is Bitcoin allows you to bypass the middleman. And oftentimes, right, the government has acted as that middleman. And whether or not you um, you have experience in that environment, it's that the middleman is expensive, <laughs> right? I'm I'm the one between you and what you need to get to, and that mm. is where a lot of people lose, right? That is where they lose because <clears throat> it's it's not just the financial capital; it's the human capital part of it, right? It's it's the you you almost have to entrust everything to them right to help make these decisions and then you lose a lot right so in a place where people are struggling like he said right like uh uh, para said you're 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 working harder but you're getting poorer right it's in that environment you're looking for a way to eliminate whatever is you know racking up your cost or whatever is making it difficult for you to take the next the next steps and i think that that's the the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin enables them to bypass those controls, like you said, enables them to, to eliminate the middleman, which I think in the future, in the future of a place like Nigeria or Africa becomes really essential, right? Because then they get to be exposed to the global market. Um, think about me trying to import something in from China and I have to walk through, and I think that's what the governments are contending with right now, is that. All of a sudden they're going into these markets, they're making transactions. Um, but you know, what the government is saying is we need to be able to we need to be able to control these transactions because people then get to evade taxes and they feel like you know what the Nigerian government has come out to say is that there's a lot of um you know fraudulent activities online that they need to be able to control. So where do you strike that balance? But I do think that it does open up the, the young nigerian population that are so desperate to move themselves forward that are so desperate to not be limited by uh, limited or pulled into the trenches of poverty to say hey this might be our way out and that's why they are they're pushing it's almost like this moving train i don't know how how the government can stop them they banned they banned they banned bitcoin but it's just something that they've not been able to lay their hands on
0: yeah, so that was where I was going to take our question uh, uh, next because I've been informed that the government has banned Bitcoin and it's kind of fighting against it through this podcast. Uh, Brendan, what what is that situation and and what effect may that have on Bitcoin now that governments are maybe saying no, oh, we don't want this uh, this this new currency? But what does it even mean to ban it? How can you stop me from trading my Bitcoin? Yeah, you can't. I mean,
1: I guess in theory you can ban it. Like you can come out and say you can ban it and say no bitcoin's not allowed but there's nothing they can do to shut it down like china has banned it like 17 times right like (laughs) but because it's decentralized that's the entire point that's kind of what andrew was talking about because it's decentralized there's no one central authority that they can go like shut down and then bitcoin's gone like bitcoin's runs on the internet you can't shut the internet down And so you can't shut bitcoin down so you you can make it a little bit harder to you know transact with i i I guess in the case of like nigeria or china um but people are still going to use bitcoin um and and one thing they kind of say about when governments come out and ban bitcoin it just makes it stronger because it's almost like free marketing for it it's like some sometimes people like andrew knew that they had banned it and, and was like what, why or what is what is Bitcoin like? Why would they ban it? And then people look into it and they're like, and now Andrew's sitting there probably thinking like, oh dang, like this is actually this could solve a lot of issues, you know, like this is a good thing. And now maybe Andrew gets into Bitcoin, and next thing you know, either there's millions of other people just like him. That so um, it it is essentially like free marketing. You can't actually ban it, or, or you can't do away with it. You can make governments try to make it a little harder, but. Uh, eventually, you, you know, I, I think the government will just have to capitulate. And, and I'm sure Lee has some points here. So I want to throw it over to him.
0: Yeah, well, Lee, I'm going to pass it to you. But I, I just want to say it, it amazes me when we started episode one of this, and I knew nothing, I had no idea that we'd be talking right now about the possibilities for Bitcoin to I mean, just end major systemic issues across the world. Like, it's amazing to me how big this really could be. So Lee, yeah, what are your thoughts on everything's Brendan saying there?
2: Yeah. Um, just quickly, I wanted to reiterate uh, Bernard's uh, Twitter handle, at Bernard underscore para P-A-R-A-H, like fantastic follow to kind nice. of like dive deeper into some of these uh, developing economies and, and how Bitcoin is shaping them. Um, so I think that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, I think Brendan hit it on the head pretty good. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's kind of like, okay, jaywalking is illegal but what is the enforcement mechanism and how do you allocate resources to every street in America to keep people from crossing roads that aren't on crosswalks? And and that's not a perfect analogy, but the point I'm trying to make here is Bitcoin can be banned from a policy standpoint and we shouldn't, like we shouldn't trivialize or we shouldn't just like gloss it over and say, oh, it's you know, the government can never ban it or they can't really stop it because like there still are gonna be individuals that the government will go after. Like they can go after choke points, they can go after exchanges, they can go after institutions that hold Bitcoin. And like there could be individuals that are, you know, harmed, jailed, um, or or like, you know, essentially harassed by governments because of their association yeah. with Bitcoin. So I think it's still important to remember that like it's still a problem when governments do that. But it's not surprising um, because in, you know, essentially like like kind of Drew was pointing to, if you're using Bitcoin to either, you know, send remittances back home, if you're abroad, back to your home country, or if you're using it as a peer-to-peer transactional network for goods and services, you are... Defunding the government in a way because you're you are avoiding point of sale tax, you are avoiding remittance taxes. um In in my opinion, like that is a a moral right and like a an inherent right for sovereign individuals to be able to use the internet, which is essentially speech. Speech is protected, you know, in a, in America and other developing countries, but like it's not what my point here is like, it's not surprising that governments would try to do this because they understand the value proposition. They're not stupid. Like they know, they know what this monetary network empowers people to do. And they understand that some of their power could be stripped away if it's widely adopted. I think all they're doing is kind of like slowing the train down a little bit. Um, You know, I, I think, Like the game theory um, and just like the natural evolution that we're seeing, it will win out in the end. But that doesn't mean there won't be individuals that are unfortunately hurt in the process. Yeah. And we could do We should do everything we can to mitigate that. Um, But like at at the end of the day, you know, first they fight you and then you win. You know, like that's that's kind of the way this is probably going to go, unfortunately, in a lot of places.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and that's an, another excellent point, Lee, to, to make sure we're clear about is it's not it's not going to necessarily be easy. Uh, you know, uh, things could happen with government getting involved. But, Andrew, I want to go back to you for a moment, because now I feel like we're hearing the opinions of the um, American Western society. We're looking at it from this large scale. Oh, this is what it could do for society and this and this and this. Uh, you, you mentioned you have friends who are transacting Bitcoin back in Nigeria. What what do Nigerians think of Bitcoin? Do they look at it in this way, or is it just uh, this is a means to survive right now? We've got to use it.
3: Um, I think I think in Nigeria right now, exposure to information is critical. Uh, I think yep. that the 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 larger mass are still probably ignorant about it um, because in order to have Bitcoin, uh, in order to do these transactions, you need to have access to the internet, but you know, the truth is very very few people have access, right? And then you need to be able to, you need to have the information that you need to, to transact or to or to to purchase Bitcoin. And I think that that's where the, the issue is, is that people don't know. Number one, people don't have access to the internet, right? Like, so for our programs, for the most part, most of the kids that we are working with, they have to go to the A2S office to be able to access the internet. Right. So you almost have to be able to have independent access to the Internet. So there's just a minuscule part of our population that is that is doing this. And that's mostly the youth. Right. Because they look at this as their as their way out. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but remittances from Nigeria to from the diaspora back to from Nigerians in the diaspora last year was about seventeen point two billion dollars. Right. That is huge money when you think about the the, when you think about the flow. Right. So if if people are looking at at this, it's something that that you can't stop, like Lee said. But from the Nigerian perspective, a lot of people still don't know about Bitcoin. Right. And I think Brennan just said it right like because the government has banned it. Now people are saying, well, what's Bitcoin? Maybe I need to maybe I need to look into it. So I think access is a huge is a huge issue. Uh, but for those youth who are very resourceful, and that's one of the things that you find out about Nigerians is that the youth are very resourceful. Uh, in Nigeria, we say, shine your eye, you know, it's like, shine your eye, right? When things are going wrong, you need to figure out a way to, to lift yourself up. And, and for the youth that are able to create access or find a way to access the internet, um, they're looking for ways to to get into the, into the, the Bitcoin market. Um, and then the other thing is, you have uh, over ninety over ninety percent of the Nigerian population live on less than two dollars a day, right? So that tells you the, the 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 size of the population that even have the resources to begin something like this. um So I, I do think that it has a crazy amount of potential. But then again, I think the government creating their own uh, their own e currency right now um, <coughs> is also going to affect how uh, how things work because most Nigerians, most Nigerians, they do the bank accounts, um, and, and so I think that I don't know how far it will travel, but I do think that when the government presents an alternative and they make it seem like that's important, uh, right? The 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 youth who do not have access to the internet might end up opting for you know their regular banking than um, than what Bitcoin offers. Hey,
2: um... yeah. I was just going to ask a quick question to, um, and I don't know the answer to this, Drew. What is the the access level? Not necessarily for like uh, native internet connection. What what? How pervasive are smartphones? Is that more common? Are you more likely to have a phone than you necessarily are internet connection, or is it kind of you've either got one or neither kind of thing? What's what what's that look like?
3: Yeah, so usually a lot of Nigerians have smartphones, but they have the smartphones that are flowing in from China. Mm -hmm. Uh, And usually, you know, when I think about a smartphone in the U.S., you're thinking about your your Android and you're thinking about your iPhones. Uh, But in China, they have these cheaper versions that they're sending into Nigeria. So, um, you know, most people are able to purchase that. But for the larger part of the population, they're able to use these smartphones that might be able to allow them to download um, WhatsApp or Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram, yep. because now that's most that's mostly where the entrepreneurs are you yes. know, promoting their markets and their sales, is they're selling on Instagram, you know, WhatsApp. And so they're able to put those little apps that allows them to still do business and have conversations with their family abroad. Um, so the phones do not do a lot, right? So it's 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 basic basic Android phones, basic smartphones that they can use to do basic, uh, very little things. Um, but then you have the population that's trying to be as resourceful as possible and try to get the. So if I live abroad, right, one of the biggest things is my younger brother is like, you need to get me a smartphone, right? I need a smartphone. So if you have somebody in the diaspora, you often more, you're more than more often than not the. You know they're pushing you for these phones whether it's your your iphone 6 or your iphone 7 even though you've had it for five years might be a luxury for someone in in nigeria so access is access is a huge problem um but again it's just i think the opportunity is great right if you know if this opens up and they get access but the resources are scarce um, and i think that's what you're hearing from para as well is like i'm putting limited resources into my business and I'm trying as much as possible to make sure I cut out that you know bypass those controls so that my uh, my purchasing power is is increased significantly if I get to uh, to to cut uh, cut behind the middleman.
2: Yeah, that that um, was fantastic, uh, Brennan. I'll take it right to you. Um, I think the other good point to make here is, you know, obviously to download Bitcoin Core, um, you need an internet connection. But to transact, all you need is that. All you need is that phone. Um, so you're seeing, and 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 Drew brought up WhatsApp. You're um, you're seeing a lot of peer to peer transactions on those apps uh, that they get to download. So that was just kind of the point I wanted to make. Was like access is a. It, Drew hit it so out of the park there. Like access and education is very important to open the eyes. And there's like, there's that Streisand effect. If the government bans it, there must be like, there must be something valuable there. We better figure out about it. They'd almost be better off just like not talking about it if they wanted to suppress it a little bit, probably. But um, that was just the point I wanted to make that like getting, getting smartphones and, you know, at whatever level into the hands of the youth and the citizens, it at least gives them that ability to transact, um, sell goods and services or make peer to peer transactions.
1: Yeah. Um, man, uh, a lot of things to talk about there, which is, which is why I love doing this, but drew, that was a crazy number. You said $17 billion in remittances. Um, you know what that reminds me of though, is, uh, drew, you might not be aware of this, uh, but El Salvador recently, the the president there, uh, took the opposite approach. of What it sounds like, uh, Nigeria did is where he said, no, if you, every company in Nigeria has to accept Bitcoin now. And then he created, they created their own wallet similar to like what they're doing in Nigeria. And then every El Salvadorian got $30 in Bitcoin uh, if they opened an account. Uh, But the stat that was kind of interesting is uh, I looked it up. I think it was uh, El Salvador in 2020 did 6 billion in remittances. So, you know, Nigeria is triple that and the president said that with bitcoin using bitcoin to send as remittance rather than western union and all that the amount they'll save on fees is 400 million Mm dollars so triple that you've got over a billion dollars that like nigerians the people could save just through like remittance fees and stuff if if they went to some sort of like not not a bitcoin standard but at, at least bitcoin was um encouraged rather than um rather than banned, which which is pretty interesting um but it it, i drew i think it would be interesting i mean it'll be interesting for anyone but you know for you to kind of see what el salvador is doing and 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 how they do over the next year or so because you know i a lot of people think that because they they are a poor country so it is it will be interesting to see how or if Bitcoin works out there. And, and then that could that is being looked at as a potential model for other other countries around the world, whether rich or poor, but especially poorer countries where, you know, like you said in Nigeria, how many, how what percentage of people live on $2 a day? Over 90%. No, mm-hmm. Over 90%, right. So like I don't know I if mean, that has
3: changed, but last I checked over over 90% lives well, on just
1: uh yeah, $2 a day. And, regardless man that 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 is a that's a crazy stat as well so um i i think to close it out real quick though drew I, i'd love to hear about what you know about the new central bank digital currency that nigeria just came out with the cbdc uh which china is, has come out with or is developing in, in a bunch of i think they're developing it that they haven't come out with it yet um but this sounds like a lot of countries are are think that they should go to this model where they take their currency, but they put it on a blockchain and, you know, um, it's a CBDC then. Um, I, I, Nigeria is called the E-Naira. Is that Yeah, correct? it's called the E-Naira.
3: Yeah, I know it was launched. I think it was launched, was this sometime last week? Um, and there yeah, were recently. a lot of yeah, but now I, I think last I checked um, people were not even able to download because there were glitches with some of it so. Um, <clears throat> there were some glitches with some of it, and I think that's the you know that's the government trying to slow down the train. Um, and trying to you know kind of maybe not just slow down but redirect or redirect where things are heading. Um, but I, I know that it's just going to be very it's just going to be very difficult to do because. I mean, if you're trying to stop it and a huge percentage of the population still are very uneducated about it and and they've not seen the opportunity that it might present to them. I think that they have uh, their work cut out for they have their work cut out for them, but it's, it's just a way to redirect where things are going and try to, uh, you know, bring things in house, like they said, they said, you know, there's a lot of fraudulent activities. And right now, what they're pinning it on is there's a lot of people selling arms, uh, selling arms uh, through Bitcoin and and just with the insecurity in the country, they're saying they don't want that to affect. Um, they don't want people to have avenues to keep, you know, bringing in, you know, purchasing weapons and bringing them into the country and then, you know, having fraudulent com- uh, transactions, which, you know, for for Nigeria's insecurity is also high on the list. Um, so there's kind of where do you create that? Where do you create that balance? Um, so I haven't looked much into it. I know I downloaded it just because my bank in Nigeria told me to, and I just wanted to see, but I've not logged in or anything. I just know that did, that's did, one did, way. Didn't
1: you text me that you were scared to do that or something? Oh yeah, man. I am
3: scared to do it, man. I don't know.
1: <laughs> why? I want to know. I want to know the answer why.
3: Yeah. I don't know, man. Pharmacy? I just, uh, yeah i just i think just linking my accounts to one thing is uh is something that i'm a little bit wary of so i i usually tend to take my time and try to understand what i'm getting into um so just trying to ask the right questions and and understand you know what this means for for uh for my banking right in country yeah yeah, yeah we now- you know what
1: we we should actually christian real quick We should maybe do one more episode dedicated to CBDCs because Lee probably, you know, has some stuff on this and I know we need to cut it quickly here, but that is Andrew, what you just said is, is the number one concern with CBDCs is like, you are giving more control to the government. Like they could say, oh, you owe this amount in taxes and like they can just dip right into your account and grab it instead of having you say, oh yes, I do owe that. Let me pay you. And like, so, and, and there's a bunch of different, I think, examples of like things that could happen if, uh, these CBDCs take off, or, you know, and that's why China wants to do it. Frankly, yeah. it's like, they want more control That that's what China is. And so that's why they're, they want to do it. So there is a lot, like, I think your concerns are just to be clear, your concerns yeah. are very valid, I think, and you should be careful. Um, yeah. I don't know enough about it, but I Lee, maybe you have a couple points and then we can close it out. But, um, yeah. yeah, I'll
2: make I'll make it I'll make it really quick. Um, I, I think there's there's a ton of nuance here. Obviously, I, I think one advantage you could see um, from a from a CBDC and like a digital banking kind of a national digital banking sector is, for example, the stimulus checks that the American economy put out during COVID took a long time some of them got lost they were mailed blah blah in that world the government could literally just be you know send you your stimulus check in 2 seconds so so maybe there are some kind of like access advantages i think the flip side of the coin is kind of what you guys were alluding to it's capital controls it's uh it's a world where Oh, you were speeding on the highway. Let me take out that $30 without even asking you or sending you a notification. Uh oh, our economy is slowing down. Uh let's let's institute negative interest rates to incentivize spending, which literally means you're you you lose money for keeping it in an account. Um, oh, you uh you are a political activist that does not adhere to the viewpoints of the current regime that is in control, let's shut down your CBDC bank account and not allow you to transact or or deposit or withdraw money. So, you know, I I think it's an incredibly detailed and nuanced conversation. I think there are advantages to it, but I think there are some some massive, like, privacy and freedom concerns as well. Two, Two sides of the coin. Like Andrew said, there's a balance that has to be struck. And, and, you know, what is that balance and, and how do we get there?
0: Yeah, no, that's amazingly well said from from all three of you. I wanted to in this convo 10 minutes ago as the host to try to keep this short and sweet. But the convo is so good and there's so many layers. And I just say again, it blows my mind going into episode one or even back when Lee and Brendan were first telling me about Bitcoin. I just thought of it as I don't know, some stock or something that you put money into. And it's just blowing my mind the layers to it and uh, good and bad, what it what it could really do uh, to the world as we uh, evolve into this cryptocurrency era that we are entering into. So uh, amazing conversation to to close out today. uh, Andrew, you know, at the beginning, you talked about access to success, all the amazing things that are happening. Is there anything you want to tell the audience anywhere they can follow access to success anywhere they can donate? um, Please share.
3: Oh yeah, just uh just follow us on Instagram. It's called A2S Foundation uh on Instagram and then on, on Facebook where access to success. Uh this is an exciting time for us. You know, we've been, I would say we've been building out uh during the first 10 years of our existence, and now we're trying to build up. And we just have really an amazing building going up that we're very excited about to expand our programs, to save costs and to be able to do more with uh. With the kids in a more structured environment that we can call our own, and then just really bringing something beautiful to the community. You know, oftentimes you build buildings like that in nice neighborhoods, but something that the community that we serve can be very uh, can be very proud of and and call their own, and and, and get to uh, enjoy exploring exploring dreams. Um, and for people who, yeah, Brennan. Oh no, keep going, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, not Christian. Yeah, for people who uh, who are looking to give our website is a2sfoundation.org um Great. and uh, you get to get more information on our, on our webpage as well.
0: Hey, just to be clear, that's a2 the number two. The members. number, yeah. Cool. Brendan. Yeah. It, yes,
1: I I, I want to I just wanted to encourage everyone to go check out his website. Uh you can find him on Instagram as well. They do really amazing stuff. Um I I I, I love being a small part of it um i am going over to nigeria at some point with andrew uh, he does some basketball camps uh, and, and stuff we'll go over there also andrew start looking for uh you know the entrepreneurs you support Find some Bitcoin folks, some crypto folks. I'm I'm investing, and I'm also sending you uh, sending you some Bitcoin right after this, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm awesome. gonna get you started on it. Get, it, get him get him yes, some satoshis. That's what we need. That's what we need. Well, hey, excellent. I'm looking company. forward to the day A2S accepts Bitcoin and as donations. And I'm. I'm I know. Hey, that would be great. great.
0: We'll uh we'll refer back to this episode when when that happens and and look at the journey. Uh, what an awesome conversation, Andrew. Uh, a pleasure to have you on. I I would be uh, I, I would be fooled if i think this is the last episode i really think we need a number two here because uh bringing in your perspective of a of a different uh culture different world that, that that looks at this currency in a whole different way has been so unique for me to hear so really thank you for joining us everybody please go check out access to success uh give us a follow at pro skills basketball on instagram and uh facebook and at pro skills Ball on twitter uh we will be posting many more content much more stuff coming out and we'll be sure to link all of a2s's uh uh, Sites and uh, domains down below in the description and on social media. So, thank you everyone for joining. And that is going to be all for the Bitcoin and Basketball Podcast.